From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Washington Watch. I hope you've had a great 4th of July weekend. For many, it's still in progress, so thanks so much for uh, tuning in. By the way, I'd like to welcome a new audience with an existing broadcasting partner, CSN International Radio. Washington Watch is now available across the country on CSN at 8 p.m. Pacific time each day and again on Saturdays at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'd like to give a special thanks to Shannon Skolton and Mike Stevens for making this possible. So welcome to all of our new listeners on the CSN network. All right, this weekend, we, uh, as we celebrated the 245th birthday of America, we did so as a growing chorus of those on the left or, uh, you know, claiming that uh, 1776 was a forged birth certificate for our nation, that America's founding was actually in 1619. And rather than a nation that saw all men endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, it really was founded as a racist nation. So today, we take a look at two competing narratives in America. The New York Times, 1619. Now, Frankly, uh, that should be a disqualifier right there coming from the New York Times. But anyway, we're going to have the conversation. The New York Times 1619 Project and the former Trump administration's 1776 Commission, two competing narratives. Well, I'm with the latter, just so there's no mistake, but I think you need to know what's going on. And of course, to, uh, I'm not going to do this by myself. I'm going to bring in experts to help us take a look at this. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson, former secretary of uh, HUD, is gonna be joining us, and Mike Gonzalez, senior fellow at Heritage Foundation. Both of them served on the 1776 commission and continue to do that outstanding work. So we're gonna talk with them here in just a moment. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins, all right? And, uh, let me, let me give you one more plug, all right? We just launched, uh, and by the way, thanks so much to, uh, to all of those who uh, financially stood with us as we came up to the end of our fiscal year, June 30th, uh, so the end of uh, middle of last week. Uh, we are grateful for each and every partner who is standing with us so this program can continue all across America and literally now around the globe. So thanks so much for being a partner with FRC. One of our initiatives is our Worldview Center, a center for biblical worldview. And if you would like to uh, find out more about how you can look at these issues from a biblical perspective, here's, a, here's what I want you to do. Text the word worldview, that's worldview, to 67742. That's 67742, okay? Now, um, if you... Uh, Want to find out more about the terms of our texting, go to frc.org slash text for terms and conditions and our privacy policy. But text the word worldview to 67742 and uh, you'll be able to be a part of getting this information on all of these issues from a biblical perspective. All right, many Americans seem to have uh, a diametrically opposed version of uh, our versions of the of American history, increasingly, you know, it used to be it was very subtle that there was this rewrite of American history. I, I one of the hobbies I have is I collect books, um, most of them 
uh, in the late 1800s prior to the 20th century um, because that's when a real rewrite of American history, most of the books I have are about history or government. And you, you saw a very subtle shift in this rewrite of history. Well, now it's not subtle. It's, it's open, it's blatant, and we've seen it in this uh, 1619 project of New York Times. And fortunately, the Trump administration, the president got it. Some people went to him and said, look what's happening. And so he pushed back with the 1776 commission, although shut down by Biden, it has gotten some traction. So here to, to, let's, uh, here to help me examine this and look a little deeper at what is really taking place in our culture in America, Mike Gonzalez, senior fellow, the Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign Policy uh, at the Heritage Foundation. Mike, uh, welcome to Washington Watch. Uh, Tony, it's great seeing you again. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for taking uh, time out of your holiday to, to be with us. Um, let's start with the 1619 project. Here, here is, I thought, you know, I thought I was celebrating the 1776 as the birth of the nation here for 245 years. I now found out we had it wrong. Uh, 1619, according to the New York Times. Yeah, I think you put it exactly right. These are two diametrically opposed editions of the country. One, uh, the 1776 view, which we're celebrating, uh, celebrates America and what's best about it, celebrates our ideals. Uh, ideals, by the way, that when we have aspired to live up to them, have solved all our problems. Ideals that have attracted about, 100, uh, about 150, I think 100 million immigrants, over 100 million immigrants since 1850, including myself. Uh, uh, ideals that have made this country a superpower and a and 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 an inordinate experiment in liberty, prosperity, and human flourishing. The other view is hideous. Is an America that is hideous. Everything about it is ugly, but especially its laws, its institutions, and and the real target here, its capitalist system. Capitalism is just a fancy word for the freedom to own things, the freedom to to have individual private property. I own this, and I am able to uh, sell it to you after you and I agree on a price. According to the Marxist view, and this is at bottom a Marxist undertaking, uh, that that creates uh, slavery. The fact that we're able to to individually own property, exchange it leads to capitalism, and capitalism inexorably leads to a lot of ills. So this is what is happening here. It's an attempt, and I published a book last year titled The Plot to Change America. This is an attempt to change America, and they start at the very beginning by changing how we view it, because we conservatives understand what Edmund Burke said, that in order for a country to be loved, the country needs to be lovely. And the left wants to tear that down. And that is what 1619 is about, Tony. Mike, as I, I made a reference to earlier, I mean, there have been those that have been working to revise history for a long time, but it's been subtle. Uh, this clearly is not subtle. In fact, the New York Times, uh, the magazine, when this was rolled out in August of 2019, uh, made very clearly, quote, aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the consequences contributions of black Americans at the very center of US's na the US uh, the United States national narrative end quote um, so I mean it, it completely reframes our history and there's no question 
that uh, America is made up and has been successful because of the contribution of a wide range of people, including African Americans, including Hispanics, including a whole host of people. That's who America is. I mean, we're a we were a you know a melting pot at one time. Now, instead of out of the the many one, we're now you know trying to tear apart out of the one, create many. Um, why? What has changed so that they can be so blatant in pushing this rewrite of history right in front of our faces and they're not challenged? Well, it began very subtly, as you said, with Howard Zinn in 1980, A People's History of the United States. He painted an America uh, that, again, uh, could do nothing right. Uh, even the Civil War uh, was something that had oppressed the working class Irishmen of New York, according to Howard Zinn. Um, so, look, the reason for this is what we're debating at the moment here in the United States, critical race theory. It begins with critical theory. A, a, a bunch of Marxist, uh, Marxist scholars in Europe, in Germany, uh, begin to ponder in the 1920s and 30s why communism at that point had not succeeded except in a backward part of Europe, uh, Russia, why it had failed in Germany and Italy. And they thought that the reason for that was that the economic determinism of the Soviet Union, of Marxism so far, had been wrong. Uh, that you cannot, the working class would rather work really hard assiduously at changing its, 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 uh, its, its living status, at becoming the bourgeoisie, than at overthrowing the bourgeoisie. That with capitalism, it was really easy to change your station in life. Uh, so they, they, they worked, they, they came up with these ideas of how to make Marxism cultural. They referred to the, the, the economic determinism as vulgar, vulgar Marxism. Then they came to the United States, and here in the United States, after a stage of, of having critical legal theory in the 1970s and 80s, uh, law professors of color uh, who were Marxists created critical race theory, which makes everything about race, sees everything through the prism of race, divides us through identity politics into categories of the oppressed and the oppressor, and, and attempts to change America through such a paradigm. Uh, and that is why you need to, to, to once you create the categories of depressors, you need to, to, in, you need to, 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 to indoctrinate the members of the categories, uh, of, the, of, the, of the oppressed categories, the members of the victimhood categories, with the idea that the country is evil, that they have grievances, and that they, rather than, than work to, to, to better their, their lot in life individually, they should work collectively through the categories to completely transform the country. This is exactly what is happening. So when you, you look at this 1619 project and then, you know, critical race theory and how it's getting into, I mean, accelerating. I mean, it's, it's working its way into our schools, our classrooms all across America, even in conservative areas, you're finding this in the uh, the classrooms of course being driven in large part by the national association of uh, educators or nae um that is you know i mean they're they're pushing this and they're and i think they even come after you come after heritage for blowing the whistle on critical race theory yeah they just came out uh, uh late last week saying they were going to take the, the fight to us you know what sure uh we're very happy very proud of the work we're doing uh, making Americans, uh, you know, having, helping Americans understand critical race theory. But this, there's something here, uh, Tony, that is happening. I've been, I've been crisscrossing the country lately, 
I was just in Denver. I was just in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I went to Slavin County, Virginia. I went to Austin, Texas, just in the space of a month. Um, and this is a grassroots opposition. The reason why, as you rightly said, uh, this has exploded now, critical race theory had remained dominant inside the campus for a couple of decades, nearly three decades, but, but even though it dominated inside the campus, especially in the area of civil rights, it had not been able to have much impact on public policy. It had begun a little bit uh, in the, over the last four or five years to enter the realm of K through 12 education, especially in places like New York, but, but it had not really taken over. Then we have 2020, we had the 1619 project in, in 2019, and then you have 2020 with the tragedy of George Floyd's death and then the deft use of that video by Black Lives Matter, organizations that are led also by Marxists who want to change the country, and they completely transform the country. They have a great deal of impact. The, the, the media helps them a great deal. Uh, Mike, we're up against a break, but I want to come back on the other side of this break, and I, and I want to talk about how do we counter that? How do, how do parents, how do citizens and educators uh, counter this narrative that is being pushed through critical race theory and in the broader narrative under the 1619 Project? You know, silence can be taken as acquiescence, uh, and if we're silent, if we stand on the sidelines, look, they're, they mean business. If we want to protect the country, protect our history, and secure our future, I think it's time to speak up. And so I'm going to ask you to help our listeners know how to do that, how to detect this critical race theory in their schools and what to do about it. All right, folks, uh, stick with me. Mike Gonzalez is going to be back on the other side of the break. And then Dr. Ben Carson will be joining us as well. Don't go away. For centuries, the Bible has inspired humanity and shaped the very world we live in. But how do we know this book is the Word of God and not merely the words of men? What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks explores the evidence of the Bible's inspiration and authority through some of the world's most respected biblical scholars. We have essentially a dual authorship. So it's true to say that Paul wrote Romans. It's equally true to say that God wrote Romans. He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks is a feature-length documentary from the American Family Association. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. Here's a moment of hope for your home with Jerry and Becky Drace. Is drinking alcohol wrong? Hmm, how many times have I been asked that question? Listen to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. You know, casual drinking can lead to excessive drinking, which will destroy yourself and others. It can scar a family that results in systemic alcoholism. You may say, I can handle my drinking, but how will you feel if by your example, your child should become an alcoholic? Remember, God's word does not lie, does not contradict itself, and will guide you in righteous living. Learn more about the ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at hopeforthehome.org. This has been a moment of hope for your home.
The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Thanks so much for uh, being with us on this uh, extended July 4th weekend. Um, I hope you're still celebrating. In fact, I think we should celebrate throughout the year the freedoms that we have. And as we celebrate, uh, we need to protect them. And that's what we're talking about today. Mike Gonzalez, Heritage Foundation Senior Fellow, Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign Policy, a member of the uh, 1776 Commission. Mike, thanks so much for uh, sticking around through the break. Uh, a couple of questions. We just got a, a, about seven minutes, and I want to get to try to get to the means as possible. But I want to go back just very quickly to the 1619 Project. What was the biggest flaw when you look at the New York Times 1619 Project and their understanding of America's founding? Our biggest flaw? I thought that actually, I'm very proud of the work we did. And no, no, I'm going to go back to the, the 1619 project, their oh, flaw in the way sorry. they looked at America's oh, founding. Sorry, sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, no, they had several flaws. Uh, one, obviously, is placing the beginning of the country in 1619. Uh, they did this for a, 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 a reason. They wanted to deceive. They wanted to say America is you know, has has a, a bad birth certificate that we begin with evil. Um, America is not, I mean, America hasn't been perfect, uh, but but that is something that, he, in fact, they went back on, the New York Times then backed off from that claim. Uh, the other one uh, was to say, and this was really a whopper, uh, this, that to say that the colonists had fought the revolution because they were afraid that Britain, the mother country, was going to do away with the... Uh, the institution of slavery. Uh, the problem with that is that they had no no backup for that. The, the, the historians from all walks of life, from the right and the left, went after them and say, you know, this is like 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 the, the death of Jesus Christ. This is an event, the founding that has been written about a lot. There's a lot right. of evidence about this. Uh, show us any evidence in any sermon, in any writing, in any speech, in any document that this is the case. And they had, I think, a, a, an article uh, written in, in a South Carolina newspaper and, 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 and a revisionist historian who had written about this. This was laughable. It was, it was a howler. If it would be a howler had it not been so bad, uh, such, a, such a libel. That the, and this is the New York Times. I mean, it, 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 we can't say enough bad things about this attempt. No country has done this to itself except for the tyranny, the communist tyrannies 
of Pol Pot, Fidel Castro, the Bolsheviks, they came along and tried to smear what had happened in the past uh, because they wanted to implement a new blueprint. But no sane, healthy country has done this to itself, and Americans have to be very clear about this, that the people trying to do this to us, to smear our history, to smear our sense of who we are, are the equivalent because they share the same ancestor of Pol Pot and Castro right. and the Bolsheviks. And, and, and those did not have good outcomes. Uh, and that's why no. we've got to, to step in. And of course, President Trump, former President Trump did that by executive order, created the 1776 Commission, which I found very interesting that one of the first things that Joe Biden did, one of the first things he did when he got into the Oval Office was to rescind that executive order. It was the first thing the he report. did. Is number, okay, I knew it was at the top. Uh, it takes, takes the report off the White House website, but... The commission has continued to meet. You guys have continued to do the work. Tell, tell folks what's going on. We're sworn commissioners of the United States. We meet, we communicate with each other. We are going to be traveling. We are letting the American people know that our target is now CRT, critical race theory, which is, yes, an academic uh, discipline, but also a call to action, a call to action for revolution. A call to action to do exactly what you and I have been discussing here on this show. And, and uh, the American people, by the way, one of the features of the American people that, that social scientists and foreign visitors have always noted is, is, is that Americans are exceptionally attached to liberty. Many people have actually found this to be a fault. Uh, you know, um, Lewis Hart found it to be a fault. Herbert Marcuse, obviously a critical theorist, found it to be a fault. Um, uh, but uh, whether you find it to be a fault or not, we are uh, uh, exceptionally attached to liberty. So the American people are, are looking at this because once it leaves the campus uh, in 2020, after the BLM-induced mayhem of, in the country, and it begins to enter our schools, it begins to enter some military, the houses of God, it enters our workplaces, it, it attempts to take over everything, the American people say, no, 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 what is this? This does not accord with my understanding of my country, of who we are, of who I am, of who my family is. Uh, we're good people. And as I say again, this needs to be emphasized, it is, it is not healthy. It is not healthy societies that try to tell themselves we're bad and evil and need right. to change everything. Only tyrants do that. Well, very quickly, Mike, before we run out of time, we've got about a minute left. Um, how do parents in particular, I wanna focus on the schools, Give us a, a, a top three or four things that they need to be looking for, questions they need to be asking to uncover the CRT. They need to, I've written about this, it's on heritage.org. Uh, they need to be looking at whether uh, students are being taught, taught that racism is not an individual act, an individual sin, that it's systemic and structural and institutional. That is, that is critical race theory, that meritocracy is a myth, uh, that is critical race theory, that what we need is equity, not equality. Uh, equity is the opposite of equality in this corrupted CRT sense. 
Uh, equity means that the government must treat us all unequally, uh, whereas equality says, uh, according to race, by the way, uh, equality says the opposite. So anything that teaches equity over equality is CRT. And, and if the teacher or the principal, the school board member, or HR says no, you can call, you say no, that is not. It is. Well, Mike, we're going to post your uh, your piece that you wrote for the Daily Signal on this. We're going to uh, post this on the website, uh, TonyPerkins.com, so people can see it. We've got a lot of interest in parents across the country on this issue, and we uh, we want to get them prepared for when the kids go back uh, to school. Uh, Mike Gonzalez, thanks so much for joining us. Great conversation. Look forward to having you back on again. Thank you, and happy Fourth. Same to you, my friend. All right, folks, I mean, you heard it. What, what we're doing here, it's like nation-side, uh, you know, suicide of a nation, that we're allowing this stuff, and we have to stand up against it and push back. All right, on the other side of the break, Dr. Ben Carson joins us, also a member of the 1776 Commission. We're going to continue our conversation. I hope you'll stay with us. Making the most of your money. Here's Dan Celia on American Family Radio. Consumer Confidence Index back on Tuesday jumped from 118 to 127. That's a huge jump up. Amazing that we see that confidence index. Here's the problem. There's not a lot of numbers that are correlating to that, and it makes me a little bit concerned. So it is a good number in and of itself, but we also see pending home sales up 8%. That's huge. Another good number, but pending home sales have been down for a very long time, maybe four or five months in a row. Continuing jobless claims, again, they came in up, unfortunately, not by a lot, but by 6,000. We don't like seeing that number go up. It almost matter what first-time unemployment claims are, but we don't like to see continuing claims continue to stay steady, particularly when we have 9 million job openings. ISM manufacturing numbers did come a little bit below expectation down to 60.6 from 61.2. Construction spending, though, was in negative territory, down three-tenths of 1%, and that's a May number. Uh, we don't like to see that for the month of May. ISM service sector numbers, that's going to be probably one of the most important numbers of the week. But the one that's going to get most of the conversation is job openings. And we're going to see if that comes down off this 9.3 million number. Want to hear more financial advice from Dan Celia? Look for his podcast at AFR.net. Fourth of July. I know we celebrated it yesterday, but the celebration continues. In fact, uh, I think the celebration of our freedom uh, should continue year round and obviously our vigilance in protecting that freedom. And that's really what we're talking about today as we compare two diametrically opposed views of our nation's founding. You know, we've got the New York Times 1619 project, and then we have the 1776 Commission, which 
was launched by, uh, by President uh, Trump. Now, I, I should have done this earlier on because I don't want you to think that I'm just creating this narrative. I want to play a clip, a sound clip from uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. She's a professor at UNC. And this was at the, uh, I believe, the launch of the uh, 1619 project. They live streamed this announcement. This was in August of 2019. And I want you to hear, I want you to hear it in her own words. This project is above all else an attempt to set the record straight. To finally, in this 400th year, to tell the truth about who we are as a people and who we are as a nation. Here, I, as I said, for 245 years, we've been celebrating the wrong birthday. How do people get it wrong for so long? Well, here's a clip of uh, President Trump and his announcement of the 1776 Commission to combat what we were just talking about earlier with Michael, uh, with, with uh, Mike Gonzalez about the CRT in our schools and universities and the, and the two are intertwined. So here's, uh, here's President Trump. Students in our universities are inundated with critical race theory. This is a Marxist doctrine holding that America is a wicked and racist nation that even young children are complicit in oppression and that our entire society must be radically transformed. And now we're pleased to welcome back to the program, Dr. Ben Carson. As you all know, Dr. Carson is a renowned pediatric neurosurgeon and former secretary of housing and urban development with the Trump administration. And he was also a part of the 1776 commission and he's a great friend and a real patriot. Uh, Dr. Carson, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, always good to be with you, Tony. And I'm so glad that you're emphasizing uh, this program uh, and these programs and the contradistinction between them because uh, the only thing that I feel that can really destroy our country right now is us. You know, it's not Russia or China or North Korea, it's us. And uh, if we allow the seeds of discord to be sown, uh, that's exactly what will happen. Jesus said it first, a house divided against itself cannot stand, re-emphasized by Abraham Lincoln. And when you look at this 1619 uh, project, uh, it basically is an attempt to rewrite history completely uh, and focus everything around slavery. Now, I will readily admit that slavery is evil and horrible. Uh, but it's been around since there have been societies, and it's still around today. And I think we ought to be working very hard to get rid of it. Doc, Dr. Carson, in part, was the ability of the New York Times in the 1619 Project, their ability to openly, blatantly rewrite history, was that possible because we don't know our history and because we've, we've, we're not teaching our children what our history really is, good and bad? Uh, that's, that's part of it. A, a lot of people really don't know their history. Part of the uh, purpose of the 1776 Commission is to get people to actually read the Declaration of Independence. You'd be amazed at how many Americans have never read it. It's a short document. It's easy to do. Uh, the same thing with the Constitution. And yet, I believe that these are documents that were divinely inspired, and they make it very clear that our rights 
are derived from God and not from government. Government is there to protect those rights, but they are given to us by God. And uh, we seek those godly principles uh, associated with the Judeo-Christian foundation of loving your neighbor, not canceling your neighbor, of allowing people to lead their lives as they see fit to worship as they see fit, as long as those things are not interfering with the lives of other people. But 1776 is really there to make sure that people have the ammunition that they need. And that ammunition is based on education and knowing what really did take place in our country and not allowing others to reinterpret that. And, you know, the fact that uh, the 1619 Project says that Black people and people of color in this nation are severely oppressed and that white people are responsible for all that. Uh, stop and think about it for a moment. Why should we be judging people on the basis of something they have no control over? Dr. Carson, uh, you might hear that music. We're up against a break. We're going to come back and uh, continue the conversation. And one thing I want you to do, you were talking about the 1776 uh, Commission, but you were talking about uh, really our founding and our understanding that we've been celebrating for 245 years, and God played a key role in that. We're endowed by yeah. our Creator with certain inalienable rights. What role does God have in the 1619 Project? Is He even recognized? We'll talk about that. And then also, I know you're, you're a brain surgeon, but I want to, anything that you discovered in the 1776 commission for the first time as you looked at America's history. Any surprises for you? We're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. So folks, don't go away. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Ben Carson next here on Washington Watch. So don't go away. Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. So tell me, Trevor, how are you feeling? Well, Doc, my mind is all over the place. I'm always stressed. Hmm. 
if I may ask, when is the last time you've attended church? Ooh, I haven't been to church in, I don't know, two years, maybe. In the One News Now article, Regular Church Attendance Boosts Mental Health, studies show that regular biblical teaching grounds us in a more stable state of mind and spirit. To read this article and more, visit onenewsnow.com. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month. And that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Welcome back, everyone. This is Tony Burgage. You're listening to Washington Watch as we celebrate. We continue the celebration of our July 4th uh, weekend as we celebrate 245 years of, uh, of freedom. Not a perfect nation. Uh, we've made a lot of mistakes, but through prayer, participation, we can continue to move America forward. My guest, Dr. Ben Carson, former secretary of the Department of uh, Housing and Urban Development and also a member of the President's 1776 Commission. Uh, Dr. Carson, right there before the break, uh, you, you know, so uh, accurately went into our understanding of the founding and God's role according to our founding documents, not according to our spin, but what the documents themselves say, that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. So God played a very key role. And of course, as Christians, you know, we celebrate our history and we want to make sure we don't lose that understanding of God's uh, providence upon this nation. In the, seven, in, the, in, the nine, in the 1619 project that the New York Times, uh, you know, is promoting, does God factor in at all in that uh, project and their view of our history? No, God does not factor in there, nor does godly principles of loving your neighbor or caring about the poor, about doing the things that should be done. And, uh, you know, when you think about it and our nation, not only is God prominently mentioned in our founding document, but it's also in our pledge. We are one nation under God. Many courtrooms on the wall, it says, in God we trust. Every coin in our pocket, every bill in our wallet says, in God we trust. So is it all a big lie? Or are we being led away from our foundational principles by those who want to make us feel that we need to be woke? I, I think it's the latter, uh, without, uh, without question. Now, uh, Dr. Carson, I, I know you well, and I know your story well. Uh, you're a very well-read man. But I, so I just want to ask you, 
as you delved into the documents, you were part of the 1776 Commission and, and you were having some really good conversations. I know who all was on the commission, some really bright mm -hmm. people. Any surprises for you in this process? I think the thing that perhaps surprised me the most was when I learned that there's actually more slavery in the world today than there was when the Emancipation Proclamation came forth. Uh, and it's a serious, serious problem, particularly the sexual slavery that has uh, increased dramatically over the last few months at our southern border because it's so easy to capture uh, those children. And uh, we need to be extraordinarily concerned about that, but also the pervasiveness of slavery throughout human history. And, you know, if you're going to go back and try to rectify uh, slavery and talk about reparations, where does it end? Where, where do you start and, and where does it end? It's a continuum throughout American and world history. So I, I think we really need to start looking forward rather than backwards. We can learn from things that have happened in the past, but we need to be talking about the things that made America into the greatest nation on the face of the earth. It was our belief systems, our ability to work together. And there were, there were contributions by everyone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the 1619 Project tries to make you think that America was built on the backs of just the slaves. Uh, people of African descent contributed a lot. There's no question about that. You know, you look at your shoes. It was Jan Motzweger, a black man who invented the automatic shoelacing machine, which revolutionized the shoe industry. Uh, you take a, a, a phrase like, that's the real McCoy. That was because of Elijah McCoy, a black man who invented the automatic lubrication system for locomotive engines, invented so many things. People would say, is that a McCoy? Is that the real McCoy? You know, I could go on for a long time uh, with things that the African people of African descent contributed. but tell you, I can also do that for people of any uh, background in this country. And that's what made us straight, because we were the United States. We made right. mistakes, we learned from them, we moved forward. Yeah, that's so good, so important. I, I don't want to chase this rabbit, but I just have to point this out as you're talking about the the slavery and a, and, and a large part of this in the human trafficking that's taking place in our uh, world today and even in our own borders here in the United States of America is is a sex trade uh, is driven by uh, sexual uh, appetites sexual immorality and I just have to say you know when when you want to push God and morality out of our founding and out of who we are and we have no moral boundaries you're going to get more of that and what brought America forward I believe and as you said, no one can dispute the fact that we we are a nation that that had a lot of things wrong, but we've, for the most part, been progressing toward a more that more perfect union. Yeah. And and I would challenge anyone to refute the fact that morality, biblical morality, that Judeo-Christian ethic played a key role in that. When you look at uh, the abolition movement, when you look right. at the civil rights movement, it was at the core of it. Well, you know, Alexis de Tocqueville came to America to study our nation because the Europeans were just so fascinated. 
how could this fledgling nation be doing so incredibly well? And, you know, he wrote the two-volume set, Democracy in America, and analyzed everything. But uh, at the end of the book, he said, you know, he was so impressed by what came from the pulpits in America and how that gave the people the foundation that they needed to be able to accomplish so much. And he said, America is great because America is good. Mm-hmm. And if America ever stops being good, she will cease to be great. I think he was spot on. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's why when the president, former President Trump, talked about making America great again, it had to restore that moral foundation of moral goodness in order for us to reach the greatness uh, that uh, he challenged us toward. I, I, I want to talk about the commission for just a moment. In, in, in President Biden rescinded the Trump administration's executive order on 1776. In fact, I was talking with Mike uh, Gonzalez, and he said it was the first thing he did. He revoked it, rescinded that. Um, but here's what he said. He said the findings of the commission were counterfactual. What was your reaction when you heard that? Uh, it's what I expect to hear from the left. Uh, they want to rewrite our history. They want to write it the way that is consistent with their ideology. And uh, so I, it didn't surprise me in the slightest that that would be one of the first targets they would employ. Uh, we have to work very hard to change that. That's one of the reasons that we started the Little Patriots program. Uh, we just got a huge donation from that last night, by the way. Uh, but that's going to to really be able to give our young people a true perspective on our history. It is something to be incredibly proud of. The things that we were able to overcome to allow this nation to ascend to the heights are absolutely amazing. And you look at things like World War II, where all of our young men from everywhere went to fight to preserve freedom in the world. And at the same time, our young women went into the factories and built more airplanes, tanks, and mortars than anybody could even imagine. And it was that strength aided by our faith in God that allowed us to overcome the Axis powers of evil. Yeah, I think what the world would look like uh, had America not been able to do that. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it was the, it was the common, a common ethic, a common faith, the Judeo-Christian foundation that provided for the unity. I mean, when you look at what happened in World War II, where America came together, it really like the, the account of Nehemiah and the Bible where they rebuilt the wall in a remarkable period of time, 52 days, because the people had a heart to work. Uh, they right. were unified. And that, I think, is going back to what you said earlier, that America's greatest threat is from within as we essentially dissolve. We, we, we come apart. Uh, rather than being out of the many one, we see this pulling apart, and that makes us vulnerable. Absolutely. And, and that's the reason that we're working so hard to educate people. Uh, about our founding documents, about our founding principles, about what we have actually accomplished uh, as a nation and how we did it together. And uh, there's so much good going on in this nation, so much to be proud of. You know, I can tell you as a youngster, you know, growing up, there were, there were so many people who said, you can't make it in this society because of all these things. 
And then I had a mother who just said, forget about all that stuff. Go to the library and read books. And as I read about scientists, explorers, and surgeons, and entrepreneurs, I began to see what it really took to be successful. And that the person who had the most to do with what happened to you is you. It's not somebody else. Doesn't mean that there aren't obstacles, but you can sit there and you can obsess over the obstacles or you can overcome them. And the people who have been wildly successful are the ones who see the hurdles as a mechanism to strengthen them for the next one. So do you see, still see America as the land of opportunity where, you know, really your future is what you make of it? Absolutely. And, and that is the reason that you have caravans of people trying to get in here. <laughs> they wouldn't be trying to get in here if they were coming to be persecuted. I really don't think so. And I think people know better than that. But you, you're, you're absolutely right. But nonetheless, the left gets by with this narrative aided by the media that repeats it. And I, I, I do think it goes back to the issue of education. I think, number it, it one, does. our education system has failed our students when it comes to who America really is, our past, um, our present, and even our, our future. And so well, I, I want you to talk a little bit point. more. Yeah. What's that? I want, to emphasize, I want to emphasize that point on education. Go, go, be, yeah, be, go right ahead. Because the group in America that has the highest per capita and family income are Nigerians. Now, if you know any Nigerians, you know that the baseline for them is a bachelor's degree. They put so much emphasis on education, but it's also interesting that they tend to be black. <laughs> and uh, so if we had a systemically racist country, how could the group that has the highest income be black. That doesn't make any sense, nor does any of, any of the other things that they say. One other element about the Nigerians that I know, and I know a lot of them, uh, is they also have, many of them, have a very strong faith foundation as well. That's, that's correct. And, you know, a lot of people who come here as immigrants do very well. And why do they do so well? Uh, they come here and they say, what? You mean all I got to do is study and work hard? Are you kidding me? And I can be successful? They didn't have that in the places that they came from. Whereas many of the people who are born here, they just cannot see it for the life of them. They, where's the opportunity? Somebody's taking my opportunities. I don't have opportunities. It's completely in the way you look at it. And if you take somebody who has the mindset of a victor, you can take everything away from them, put them on the street, and guess what? they'll be successful anyway. They'll climb right back up there. And you can take somebody who has a victim mentality and you can put them in a penthouse suite, they'll find their way back to the street. Believe me, that's the way it works. And we've got to change the hearts and minds of people. And I think it's a combined effort of education. I think it's also a promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of, of, of letting people know, especially our young people, that they are created uniquely in the image of God. Therefore, that's they right. have intrinsic value. And I think that's what we've robbed our kids of uh, in our schools today, where we deny there's a God that created them. I mean, that's a that's one strike against them because that's what gives us our value. And and before we run out of time, you know, con connected to that, the Little Patriots Project. I, I want you, you mentioned it 
but tell people a little bit more about it and how they can take advantage of it. Well, please go to the website, uh, AmericanCornerstone.org, and you can actually see some videos of our little patriot, four years old, saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. And they're so proud. And then at the end, they say, and God bless America. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what we need to start teaching our young people. And we have lessons for them about faith, about uh, liberty, about community, about life, why all of those things are so important. And we want them to value their fellow American, value the people who are around them, and not denigrate and despise them. And uh, the best thing to do is to start teaching them that early on. You know, yes. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. And, uh, you know, it's a variation on on what uh, Lennon said. Give me your children for four years, and the seeds that I plant will never be uprooted. Yeah, uh, so true. Dr. Ben Carson, Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, spending time with us today. Thank you for dwelling on this incredibly important topic. Appreciate it. God bless you, Tom. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Dr. Ben Carson, find out more about the work they're doing, and I, I highly recommend the Little Patriots initiative that he's doing. It's a part of the, you know, the worldview that we've been talking about, you know, between the ages of uh, 13 months and 13 years. That's when our kids need to be exposed to this. And as parents, it's our obligation. All right, folks, hope you have a tremendous rest of your 4th of July weekend. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.